Championship Sunday is this week, baby. You'll find out all about that right after this. Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports. I'm here with my co-host Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, we're doing good. Championship Sunday, like you said, is coming up, and it was a fun weekend. So I like football, and that's why we uh, we rolling today. Hey, Rohan, you said it's a fun weekend, man. What'd that mean? That means somebody beat them Cowboys, and, I mean, it was it was a fun game. I went to that game, and so I heard all the, all the chirping. I mean, I was just sitting regularly. I heard all the chirping between Cowboy and 49er fans. And funny enough, at the end of the game, I heard a Cowboys fan say, let's go Eagles because of how much he hated the 49ers. Yeah. So that's so it's hilarious. All right. So talk to us about the vibe. I think that's hilarious. A Cowboys fan saying it. Talk to us about Walk us through the vibe of what it was like Sunday. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you talk about the game, right, there were obviously the level-headed fans. Those are the the respectable ones, right? Cowboys fans and 49ers fans were both were not necessarily chirping, but going back and forth on some of the things that were happening in the, in the game and things like that, but at a respectable level. And then you've obviously got your expletives being shout out from both sides after the 49ers, after the Cowboys and that kind of, that kind of talk, but it was actually pretty cool. And I was surprised at the amount of Cowboy fans that traveled. I hadn't seen that many fans of an opposing team travel See, but- and actually make it to Levi stadium. I saw, I saw, I saw like this stat, right? It was like eighteen percent of tickets were being sold in, yeah. to Texas. But the thing is, though, is like a lot of fans are actually like Dallas fans, or a lot of them are in California, actually. So like, I wasn't even mm-hmm. shocked. Like when I saw, because I I did hear like from a couple of people that there was that was the most away fans they've seen in the last couple of weeks. I wasn't shocked. Right. Cause a lot of a lot of fans from uh, the Dallas Cowboys side are from California, actually, which is kind of surprising. No, and that that makes sense. And I mean, it when when we talk about it, let's not like misreport. It wasn't like overly abundant for the Cowboys. It was still probably 75-25 maybe uh 49er Cowboys fans, but still, that was the most you'd seen from an opposing fan base. Just shows you how well respected and how well traveled both teams are cuz we know the 49ers travel fairly well to opposing fan bases as well. And so the vibe was nice. Obviously, the entire stadium erupted at very key moments and Hey, we got a close game. That was uh that was all I wanted. A close game that really uh tested both sides and the 49ers come up on top, which means we get another week to cover the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. So the the, the best part is man is beating a like a rival like that in the playoffs, sending them home back to back years, especially when their their best player is saying, This is a team I wanted. I'm glad I get to see them again. They've never seen someone like me, they've never seen someone like my team. And then he gets shut up, and then Debo starts talking. Like, you know, Debo didn't talk uh, uh, before the game, and then after he, he shot his shots right away, and then Michael Parsons got all booty tickled and stuff. But just funny, man, because, like, watching – I don't know if you got to watch any of the other the other game on Sunday, the Bills and uh, um, Bengals. But, dude, that was an ugly game, man. Like, realistically, it, I think the Bengals – 
looked very dominant both defensively and offensively. They were able to do whatever they wanted offensively. Um, defensively, they made things rough for Josh Allen. Um, what did you think of that game if you got to see it or if you got to see some highlights? What was your thoughts on that game before we actually get into the actual championship Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I thought that game, I didn't think it'd go as I expected. I did think the Bengals would win. I know we talked about our picks uh, with David Lichty over the weekend. And, hey, I went four for four, so I'm pretty happy. But uh, I did not think that it would happen in that manner. I thought the Bills would be a little more competitive. Instead, the Bengals were on it from the jump. And uh, while the score surprised me, the outcome didn't. To me, the Bengals are just the better, the more complete team when you talk about it. The Bengals have the better offense and defense and arguably the better coordinator. Uh, Lou Anarumo is one of the best defensive coordinators he's shown in the NFL. And the Bengals have slowly risen themselves up from a team that was just didn't ever want to spend money to having some stars on each side. Trey Hendrickson's obviously huge. Uh, they got DJ Reader over there in the middle. But overall, the Bengals, they're a pretty well-coached team and a pretty well a team that executes at a high level. And they did this without some starters on the offensive line as well, which was the biggest factor. I didn't know how dominant they'd be without their offensive linemen. Well, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and company made it all work. Absolutely. Another team that started talking right after the game, man. Eli Apple all over, bro. That's the, that's one of the funniest troll jobs I've I love seen in Eli a long Apple. time. Um what do you think of Eli Apple saying? Because a lot of people say Eli Apple's trash. I think he's actually a better corner than people give him credit for. What are your thoughts on that? Now, before, when he was with the Giants and when he was with the Saints and the Panthers, I had a different opinion. Because Eli Apple was not a good corner necessarily when he was on those teams. He wasn't, at least to my expectations. And for a guy who talked a lot, we faced, I, I've seen some of those people, the guys who talk a lot but don't necessarily have a lot to show for it. Eli Apple has changed the trajectory of his career. He's starting now for the Bengals two consecutive years on an NFC or AFC championship team. And he's been a solid corner this year. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think Eli Apple's that bad. At least he's not as bad as he used to be. I think Eli Apple's a respectable corner. And so to me, because of that, and because of all the stuff that he's had to endure early in his career, because fans have been on Eli Apple since he got drafted in New York, I do not mind the way that Eli Apple talks because he's built himself up from where he's taken so much talk before. And now he's just sharing back what was shared at him. And I also think it's hella funny. So when I, when I, when I see that, I can't do anything but laugh when Eli Apple tweets at players or, you know, does his little uh, social media antics. I think it's super funny. It is like one of those ones where you, you look at it, like you said, he did, at one point, he was called a bust. He was called, he was drafted in the first round to New York. Um, everyone started calling him a bust, and he's actually put together a solid career um, in Cincy. He's made himself a corner that is actually a reliable guy. Um, and the way he's talking to Stefan Diggs, like he, I thought the funniest one was there was two actually where he goes, um, "Damn, someone someone send him to marriage counseling about him and Josh Allen." He goes, "And I'll pay." I was like, yeah. yeah, like that's that's actually funny. And then he goes, uh, there's a picture of Diggs yelling at uh, Josh Allen, and he goes, Terrell Owens Jr. Oh, no. Like, so like it's just funny because, like, there is actual hate there. Um, mm -hmm. And then even, like, during the game, like, uh, Stefan Diggs was, like, kind of, like, banged up, and he was, like, doing, like, the crying face, like, mid-game in the third quarter when they were up big. Um, 
Now, I know you for sure saw the Jags and Chiefs game. Um, yeah. Before we talk about that one, because that's that's one that's very interesting because that there's injuries happen that may dictate that outcome of that game. New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles. What did you see from the 49ers' next opponent? Really what I expected. A lot of people said the Eagles might upset. I was actually with my guy Wayne, Wayne Breezy. We were uh, at a 49ers event during the time, and I told him, yo, Philadelphia, they 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 about a they really about a win. And uh I I even said that 49er fans might not like it, and you're gonna hear a little more into my thought process next on Thursday. I even said right now, I think Philadelphia should be favored to win. I think that they the odds are what the matchup is. Philadelphia should be favored to win. It'll be close, but we'll talk about that at a later time. To me, I thought Philly is they're the best team right now, the most complete team, at least in the NFL. And they showcased that. They were strong offensively. Their offensive line worked. They ran for over, I think it was nearly 250 yards on insane. Uh, like they ran 43 times and still ran very efficiently. They That's that's how good that offensive line and that run game is. And then you talk about, top it with, Strong pass catching weapons in Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. And you've got a complete offensive team. Defensively, we know their defensive line is good, but their linebackers, a lot of people talking about their linebackers. I don't think they're as bad as many people are saying. They're probably the weakest of the three units, but I don't think they're that bad. TJ Edwards had a fairly solid year. Kaiser White's average. TJ Edwards, though, very solid year this year. I thought he was a uh, he was probably one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL this season. And then their corners are the best corners in the NFL when you talk about a one-two punch. James Bradbury and Darius Slay are two arguably all pro-level players, and they are the one-two for Philly over there. They've got a strong safety, or I don't know, he's a nickel safety uh, in a way, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson as well, another solid player there. They're a complete team. They showed it against the Giants, who, while they're a great story, clearly outmatched roster-wise. They are a very well-coached team at the moment. And that's how they got this far, but they didn't have a match roster wise against the Eagles. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, I honestly, I didn't think it was going to be a blowout. I thought Philadelphia was going to win like by a solid 10 points, but I didn't think they were going to blow them out by like 31 mm. points. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think the New York Giants or the, the Minnesota Vikings were good at all. I thought those are the two of the worst teams in the playoffs with Tampa Bay. And then you see what Philadelphia was able to do to them. Like, what their defense did, um, it was phenomenal. Holding a team in the playoffs to, I want to say they held them under 70 yards in the first half, that's phenomenal. Now, yeah. I believe they took away the run game, and that's something that worries me because I agree with you that I do believe that the Philadelphia Eagles should be favored. I think they're the most complete. I've been saying, I, I originally at the beginning of the year, I thought the Dallas Cowboys were – one of the best teams in the NFL. Now, that was it. That was before the Philadelphia Eagles actually went out and picked up Nadomik and Sue and made sure that their defensive line was even more stacked. They went and traded for Robert Quinn, where they got these pieces where it's like, okay, well, our defensive line is very good. Now we made our defensive line better and we actually helped areas of need because if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles they could be ran on that that team could you could run the ball in the Philadelphia Eagles now he did average seven yards a carry it was like 6.8 yards per carry on only nine carries right now the problem was 
is the first couple of drives of the New York the, of the game, the New York Giants, they drove downfield. They had eight they didn't drive downfield, they had eight plays for like 30 yards, punt. And then another touchdown from Philly. Now they're up 14-0 and then interception. And then touchdown. And, and like it was literally like back to back, like drives after drive after drive that was just terrible for the New York Giants. But they showed you could run the ball. And I felt if they would have fed Saquon Barkley in the run game, I feel like it would have been a much closer game. And that's very confusing for me why they didn't try mm-hmm. to, to feature Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley getting 11 touches in a, a big divisional rival game was very questioning because I, I did not think that should be the case. That was confusing. Now, No, I agree. Now, the, the, the Jags and Chiefs, man. That game was interesting. We see it looked like the Kansas City was going to run away with the with the, with the game and, and blow out the Jags, and then the ankle injury of Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league, gets hurt. It's a bummer. It sucks. They barely win. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did he say best quarterback in the league? Wait, Joe Burrow's here. Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes, according to. Uh, experts hey hey look people are gonna like they're gonna put the head-to-head comparisons right like their their biggest thing is like oh head-to-head joe burrows beat patrick mahomes three times in a row two times i don't give a damn rat's ass how many times he's beat him in a row the reason is man when you're looking at quarterback play you're looking at the entirety of a team the 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 Cincinnati Bengals built their team to play the patrick mahomes led kansas city chiefs and I think, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes on one leg, he was still pretty damn good against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, that, you don't see a quarterback with a high ankle sprain tough it out, play. I mean, I remember when Jimmy had an ankle sprain. He didn't play. But that's another story for another day. Um, but what was your thoughts on that game? Interesting game. That's the game I think I watched the most out of – I think because I watched the entirety of that game. That's the game that I watched uh, closely. And – Props to the Jaguars first because I didn't think the Jaguars were going to make it out of the wild card round. I thought my lone misprediction was the the Chargers. I thought that they'd beat the Jaguars, and they came close, but the Jaguars ended up winning. Props to them and props to Doug Peterson for obviously, arguably, an NFC co- or NFL Coach of the Year type of season with the way that he's commanded uh, that offense with Trevor Lawrence at helm as well. But the Jaguars, yeah, I mean – Early on, it seemed like they were outmatched. It did seem like they were outmatched. And they did claw back, but really, Patrick Mahomes, that injury, huge. Hurt them huge. And it's not that it necessarily hurts them for this specific game, but it hurt them in general because now you're going to have to face the Cincinnati Bengals. But specifically on this game, I thought that, in a way, it seemed like Kansas City was going to pull away and pull away. But then Jacksonville was still in the game up until late. And they just... Jacksonville had the opportunities if they if they they could have uh, closed the gap with a couple of issues, but uh, obviously turnovers happened, missed uh, opportunities happened, but it did seem like the Kansas City Chiefs were a little more vulnerable than probably many expected in their first playoff showing. Perhaps it's rust because they hadn't played in two weeks or whatever, but sets up for an intriguing championship showdown against the Cincinnati Bengals. So you went right into it. Championship showdown against the Cincinnati Bengals. We're looking at Patrick Mahomes and that team, right? What do you think is going to happen there? Because you have Patrick Mahomes who has a high ankle sprain. 
normally that's a six to eight week injury. Um, now I was talking to a couple of guys and I, it's funny cause my grandpa was a Chiefs fan, right? So like, um, he, he was really wasn't into football much, but then when Joe Montana got traded, he was a very big Joe Montana fan. And when he got mm-hmm. traded to the Chiefs, he went, he was a big Joe Montana fan. Like he, to him, football wasn't his sport. Uh, he's a baseball guy, soccer kind of guy. So he went with Joe Montana and he, since then he's been a Chiefs fan. Um, so he asked me, he's like, Hey, what do you, I was at his house yesterday and he goes, what do you think's going to happen? You think he plays? I was like, yeah, I think he plays. Like, I don't think, I don't think he doesn't play like how he played through it. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I remember back then he goes, cause my, my grandpa's from Mexico. He goes, so back then there's, there's doctors that what they would do with high ankle sprains was they would grab your ankle and they would pop it. Right. Pretty much pop it. And then he goes within like two days, the, the, all the swelling, everything was gone. Yeah. He goes, I, he goes, I wonder if, like, if that's what they do for some of these players. Cause, like, he was like, I don't know, I know back then, like, back then, like, the doctors would do that. And, like, it was kind of like a, what are those, those home remedies kind of style of thing. And I was like, I don't think, I, I don't know. I don't think they would with him. That's a franchise guy. He goes, but he goes, I for sure know they're going to give him at least two shots and he'll be good. So it's going to be interesting. Do you think Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow is going to live up to the hype? Or do you think that injury is going to kind of ruin the game? Now, obviously, with the way that Cincinnati's played, it, it's fair to say that, you know, that, that might ruin the game. But then I saw some statistics today about Patrick Mahomes because with the injury, Patrick Mahomes' mobility is essentially gone. It's not like we saw the, the how it worked last week and the high ankle sprain isn't going to go anywhere. The mobility is going to be tough in this game, which means where is Patrick Mahomes confined to? In the pocket. But in all major statistics, really, this year, amongst quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback in the pocket, showing really how dynamic he is. I think it's passer rating, yards, all sorts of different things. Patrick Mahomes was number one. ESPN put the statistic out today. And so to me, that's why I think this matchup is still close because everyone's wondering about Mahomes and that Burrow is better than Mahomes, especially with the injury to Mahomes. But people don't realize how lethal Mahomes is as a pure pocket passer. As a guy who, if he's just a statue in the pocket, he's still going to do what he does. The wow throws are there. Obviously, the off-schedule plays are insane for Mahomes. That's what uh, a lot of people consider his specialty. But he's a damn good passer in the pocket, and he's that's why many people consider him to be the best quarterback in the NFL. And so to me, that's why I think it's still going to be a close matchup between the two. We'll get to score predictions and all that and the who I think will win later on. But I still think that this is a close matchup between the two. And I don't think that there will be a significant drop-off in quarterback play excused for the off-schedule throws for Mahomes. So we're still going to get that high-powered offense, the high-powered. Look, I personally think it's going to be one of those games where if Mahomes could be Mahomes from the pocket, like you say, it should be a shootout. And that's what fans want. Like, every week, like honestly... Fans wanted to see Joe Burrow and Josh Allen go head to head and light up the scoreboard. It actually wasn't like that. Like Josh Allen wasn't himself. They took away a lot of what Josh Allen and the Bills wanted to do in the past game. But Joe Burrow, man, Joe Burrow, man, because it was very cold out there, and he showed up and he showed out, man. That was one of the best performances from a quarterback I've seen in the snow. In a very long time. And I just saw Josh Allen in the snow. Marco's on his way back, but 
He's talking about Josh Allen in the snow. That's going to be a matchup and an environment that you're going to have to worry about because obviously this game is in Kansas City. We'll see how it goes. But the Cincinnati Bengals, they they showed out. And like I said earlier, they have a complete team. And that's something that is important in this matchup. The completeness of the Cincinnati Bengals. Because when you talk about Joe Burrow and inside the pocket, well, you also have to factor in how the Cincinnati Bengals are in their pass rush. And their pass rush is one of the better pass rushes, or at least it's one of the better strengths for them. They cover well, but they also are predicated on that pass rush. Trey Hendrickson, a guy who I've mentioned, uh, and you've got to you've got to worry about that aspect of them because if the Bengals can uh, really penetrate this Kansas City offensive line then they could create problems for Mahomes because when do you have to worry about your mobility as a quarterback, especially as a pocket passing quarterback, you have to worry about that mobility when obviously uh, when, when pressure comes. And so uh, Marco, you're back, continue on with your thoughts on the game. So I, I, I like I was saying, like that was some of the best quarterback play I've seen from a quarterback in the snow. Like normally you don't see quarterbacks like want to throw like that in the snow Pushed the ball downfield. Joe Burrow said, nah, I, I've been he was he's been criticized with his arm strength. People keep saying he has a baby arm. He has Joe Burrow doesn't have the arm strength. He was making throws, and I was like, I was very impressed because he he threw the ball 36 times in the snow. Josh Allen threw it 42. You don't see quarterbacks do that in the snow. You usually see yeah. teams go, All right, my defense is good. I have a good run game. Let's run the ball. No, I I thought Joe Burrow had a couple of throws that were very impressive. Um, one of the best quarterback plays I've seen in a snow game in a while. Um, I just hope Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow live up to the expectation because of that injury. I'm kind of nervous that it might not live up to that. And at the end of the day, I want to see the excitement. I want to see the energy from that night game because it'll be after the 49er game. So I'll probably be already super excited if the Niners hopefully won. Then I get to see who they play next. Um, but hey, real quick, because I do have it available with me. Patrick Mahomes inside the pocket, from the pocket this season, completed 71% of his passes. Pretty high rate. 4,598 yards, 34 touchdowns, 9 picks, 8.3 yards per attempt, and 110 quarterback rating. So inside the pocket. Mahomes is pretty good. Obviously, that mobility plays into a factor in every pretty much every factor of Mahomes' game because uh, he is the highest graded uh, quarterback when it considers outside the pocket uh, in the NFL. But inside the pocket, still a pretty darn good quarterback. And that's the that's the crazy part, right? Because it was like year three where Patrick Mahomes said on, I want to say it was the barber the barber shop with like LeBron and all of them where he was like. Yeah, I just learned how to read a defense like this year. Like, when right. I, heard I remember that, that year three of Patrick Mahomes, I wasn't, I was utterly surprised because he was relying his first couple of years, his first two years, he relied solely on arm strength, athleticism. Um, it wasn't the pocket. Now he's delivering from the pocket, and it makes him even more dangerous. So those stats don't blow my mind. They kind of it matches what you see from Patrick Mahomes. I think personally, he's the best quarterback in the game by far. Hmm. I I think that I I don't really agree, uh, disagree there. I mean, I think he's the best quarterback. Burrow's definitely got an argument to be at number two, but I think he uh, that Mahomes right now unquestionably number one. So the question is though, because you you say Joe Burrow's number two or 
possibly number two. Who do you think is number two or number three? Is it Joe Burrow or then Josh Allen, or is it Josh Allen and then Burrow? Now, me personally, I still go with Allen over Burrow just because I think the entirety of Allen's skill set is beneficial, especially the outside-the-pocket stuff, the off-schedule stuff. And I think that if Allen had what Burrow necessarily has in terms of the top wideouts, three, like really the best number three wideout probably in the NFL, a very high-caliber number two wideout that's essentially a wide receiver one, and then Jamar Chase, a top five wideout in the NFL, as well as the strong running game, I think that Allen is benefited more. Allen is always tasked with doing too much for the Buffalo Bills offense because the Buffalo Bills don't have a running game. And I think that that is what increases his turnovers. This year, I don't know if it was as strong of a year as Allen has had in the past. And I think Burrow's year propels him uh, in, in many's eyes. But right now, I still do have Allen over Burrow. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I do have Allen over Burrow. I think Burrow is number three in my eyes, but Burrow does rise a significant amount from where I had him last year. I didn't have Burrow in my top five last year, I believe, or maybe he was right there at number five. And so Burrow does rise up to number three for me uh, after this year. Why do you think he rose so much? Because he's been doing the same thing he, he has done in the past couple of years, um, being very um, elite in the pocket, using his mobility when needed. He has more mobility than than people give him credit for. He just doesn't throw on the run like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, where they just sling it across with without having their feet uh, um, underneath them. They they could throw off platform. What's the biggest jump that Joe Burrow has taken? To me, I think that it's a it's a lot of things. I mean, obviously, the confidence and the swagger has carried over uh, from his uh from his collegiate career to now but to me i think it's an enhanced ability of everything when you talk about being a pocket passer you need really the intelligence that comes with it a lot of the off schedule stuff can come from pure talent but the brain the the instinctual ability and the mindset needs to come from the the guys who are strictly in the pocket and that's what joe burrow has he's a guy who has really improved in that uh, part with reading the defenses, with making the correct reads. And that's why he's less turnover prone than he was before. Another thing, I thought Burrow before utilized his receiver, not necessarily a bailout, but I thought Burrow was significantly helped from his receivers early on in his career in that his receivers would make incredible plays. Jamar Chase would go up and catch all the 50-50 balls. Same with T. Higgins. But now you see the increased ability in making the correct read and also in just uh, playing a defense properly. And to me, I, that's why I think Burrow has improved and why he's at the number three spot right now, because he's enhanced the abilities that he came into the league with. And that's why it's also funny when people say that a guy like Burrow coming into that draft class didn't have a, a, a maybe had a limited ceiling because you understand with a guy like Burrow, maybe even a guy like Drew Brees in, from Drew Brees's career. You don't necessarily need the elite traits and the elite everything like that because Burrow didn't come in with the the the, the best arm strength in his class. He didn't come in with the best athleticism in his class. Instead, if you have what you need to just be a pure pocket passer quarterback, you can still be a top quarterback in the league. Tom Brady has shown it. Drew Brees has shown it. There are several quarterbacks that have shown it in their careers. Joe Burrow is the next to follow. I think that, I think you said it perfectly. I I do believe Joe Burrow has enhanced the the IQ, right? Like he's, he's processing much faster. He's doing the little things that make quarterbacks great. And I think at the end of the day, what we're seeing from Joe Burrow, I think we're seeing the game slow down. Like it's, to me, that's what it looks like. Um, mm -hmm. he, like you said, he does have elite weapons. 
Uh, you did forget Hayden Hurst, who's actually a very solid tight end to go right. with all the, he compliments those receivers very well. Um, now there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the playoffs too, right? The championship round on the AFC side, you got the, the top two of the top three quarterbacks in the AFC side. Now, where does Jalen Hurts fit in? Is he top five right now? Is he top 10 to you? Where does Jalen Hurts fit? Because I know I would probably put him right now probably in that top five category right now. Now, I think it's interesting because right now I do have Mahomes in there. I probably, like I said, Allen and uh, Burrow. And then it gets interesting. It, it depends on what you like. Uh, when you put a guy like Lamar Jackson over Hurts based on the year that he's had and the year that he had before, uh, is a guy like Lamar Jackson in your top five? To me, I don't know if I'd have Lamar Jackson in my top five right now, but a guy who I personally, it's not that I'm a fan of, but I think is a, a quarterback that really gets downplayed because of who he's around is mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. I would likely slot him in there. I had Herbert over Burrow. Right now, I have to give it to Burrow just because of how uh, good of a year Burrow has. And right now, while it's unfortunate, when you when you have receivers on your team compared to when your receivers are injured and things, unfortunately, it does count against you as a quarterback because you are – it's not that you're a product of your system, but a quarterback's play is – enhanced when they are with better weapons and Joe Burrow is with better weapons. I mean, we saw what happened when Josh Allen got paired with Stefan Diggs. We've seen it with Jalen Hurts got paired with AJ Brown in general. You play better when you have better receivers around you. Uh, But to me, I I do think that I have Herbert in there at four Hurts this year itself is a top five quarterback for sure. But overall, I don't know if I'd put him in the top five range. I think I'd put him in the six to 10 range, perhaps potentially creeping up in that top five. Uh, But definitely significantly improve from what we saw last year. Yeah, I think I think we're on the same area. Like for for me, Jalen Hurts is in the top five, at least for this year. His career wise, the last couple of years, it would probably be in that six to ten range because of what he's done this year has put him in that range. For me, mm. like you said, Patrick Mahomes number one. Number two, I I'm still in a toss up Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Like to me, I I think it depends what like you said, what you like in a quarterback. Do you like them the mobility, the guy who has the freak arm talent, but he's going to turn it over a little bit more? Or do you like the Joe Burrow who is going to pick you apart with his IQ? But the thing is, it was with the top three guys, like something that is very alarming, right? So uh, Joe Burrow. So, for example, people make fun of Josh Allen for turning the ball over quite frequently. He only has two more interceptions this year than Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow last year, had 14 interceptions tied with with uh, Josh Allen during the regular season, as, which would be this year. You look at Patrick Mahomes. He want to say he has 12 interceptions this year. So you look at that, like the interceptions for the the top three guys are around the same area. Like for some reason, Josh Allen gets criticized for it, but then Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes don't because they, for some odd reason, they just don't. Right. So for me, that's what confuses me. But so I would still have said Joe Burrow two, Josh Allen three. I wouldn't complain, or they went vice versa. Um, number four, I probably do. Man, like I do. I think Justin Herbert is just it's the talent is there. Um, when you talk about mobility, but then you talk about the pocket, he is a mixture, in my opinion, of Joe Burrow 
and Josh Allen in the sense of he's gonna he could pick you apart from the pocket, but then he could also sling it like off platform. He's super athletic. He has a super arm. So I think he's in that range. The only thing that sucks is he's paired with the incompetent coach. So he's not winning. Like realistically, if they had a good coach, they win. Um, now five is probably Jalen Hurts right, right now. Honestly, I think I would agree. Like it, it's tough because it, it depends on how you evaluate guys like Rogers. Rogers obviously off a re, like a, a down year because uh, you can whatever you you call it call call uh, call the cause for Rogers had a down year and. So do you still consider him a top fight quarterback because of the years he's had past? That's where the toughness comes. But that's why you say this year, Jalen Hurts definitely. And I think you can make the argument for sure. And there's a strong argument for him at five. Yeah, it absolutely is. I would I would throw in that top five category. And I know it's going to be way premature and someone might oh, say you're, something. You're, you're thinking my guy uh, who I was going to put at six. There, yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely in the conversation for a top five quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what anyone says. Like what he did this year with the legit coach, like it was phenomenal. I thought he right. played. I thought he played very, very well in a new system. I really believe Trevor Lawrence, and I wasn't huge on Trevor Lawrence coming out. I thought Trevor Lawrence had hit his ceiling. I, I really? really did. I thought like uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence might might have hit his ceiling. I thought Lawrence was QB one in that draft and. Obviously, the first first year was a little questionable, right? In how much was it coaching? How much was it this and that? But this year, yeah, you're right, Lawrence over four thousand passing yards, forty one hundred, I think four thousand one hundred thirteen. Uh, completion rate was high, sixty six percent. Touchdown to uh, interception ratio was three to one uh, this year. Really, a solid, solid year. And this is like, like you said, first year in the system with, let's say it. Not elite receivers. Christian no, Kirk is solid, but he made but uh, he made Christian Kirk and and Zay Jones at times look like they were actually legit receivers. I was like elite. I was like, whoa! He yeah. turned, bro. He, what's the the Evan Ingram? He turned Evan Ingram into a monster. Yeah. Evan Ingram better get a bag just because of uh, the year he had right now. Like it was crazy. Like I think he doesn't get the respect that he deserves, and I was wrong. Like I, I'm the I'll be the first. I thought he already the, the draft process. I was like, I, I don't know how much he could improve. Like, I really do believe he hit a ceiling, but he improved drastically mm-hmm. this year. And that was to me was was one of the things where if he could improve, he would be the guy. I just didn't think he could hit that ceiling. Um, so I'm gonna ask you rank the the last quarterbacks in the championship round, right? Because you have obviously Fortnite fans are probably gonna get mad at this. But yeah. speak the truth. Don't put like Brock. Don't don't do something where you're gonna. So do we got Brock that. Purdy at number one. Yeah, you know, speak the truth. That's what I'm saying. Speak the truth. Mm. But to me, honestly, I think that this is one of the easier rankings. I think that the number, the one through four, are pretty pretty clear cut in my opinion. We just heard who my uh, my top two quarterbacks are. It's Mahomes at one, Joe Burrow at two. I think three is pretty easily J- Jalen Hurts, and then. I think that there's a closer margin between the top three than three and four. Brock Purdy is there at four, respectable starter, but I think the other three are on a different level and obviously varying degrees between those three. Bro, you hit him with respectable starter. That's what he is, right? I mean, if you're a top, if you're, I think if you're outside the top 10, that's what you are. 
Damn. Hey, uh, 49er fans better they better get on Rohan for that real quick because that's he said what he is. You said star. speak the truth. Now I respect you actually saying that because Saturday Niner fans, they they really believe he is one of those top ten, top five quarterbacks. Like they they see, they think they see it. I don't yet. Um, I think he's like you said, a respectable starter probably in this league, maybe back end starter in this league. Um, but like you said, it's probably one of the easiest um, positions to rank. Um, now going to the running back room would probably be you're probably going to choose the Fort Anders running back room one. I would probably put two, probably Joe Mixon and uh, P. Ryan as two for me. Three. Are we going rooms or are we going individual players? Uh, I'm going to go for – so for the running back room, actually, let's do let's do individual players then. We'll do the top, the top four, the top four, which will probably be, for me, I, personally, I'm going to go – like if, if I'm evaluating these players, I'm going one, Christian McCaffrey. Probably going to go two, Joe Mixon. I think he's a phenomenal running back still. Three, I'm actually going Isaiah Pacheco. Okay. And then I would go, then I would go mile. I think Isaiah Pacheco is the next legit running back. I agree. I, I don't know if I'd put him at three right now, but I do agree. I think that Isaiah Pacheco was, uh, I think he is going to be a very solid one. And he's what Kansas City's been looking for when they drafted Absolutely. Clyde Edwards E. Lair. To me, I think I would agree with, uh, I'd, I'd flip. I'd put Sanders at three right now just because of how he is right now. I'd put Pacheco probably higher next year. I think I'd agree, though, with the the other rankings. Before, I'd probably put Joe Mixon over Christian McCaffrey. I think I thought Joe Mixon last year especially was a very talented runner, and he benefit like he, he ran the way he ran without a strong offensive line for a portion of his career. And so that's why I think Joe Mixon is talented in that self. McCaffrey obviously has the – the the edge when it comes to the like the dual threat ability because of his receiving but Mixon right now with the way that McCaffrey's rolling I do think that McCaffrey is the better running back right now I think Mixon goes at two I think Sanders goes at three I think Pacheco goes at four and then of the backups would Elijah Mitchell be five of the backups I mean or, I know the, Kenneth Gainwell's good uh but Eli- would Elijah Mitchell be five that, like as a runner Kenneth Gainwell's he's explosive but I think he's not as complete of a back as Elijah Mitchell, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think Mitchell goes at five. I think I would probably say Mitchell at five. But, like, for me, so if you look at Miles Sanders, right, he was the running back one in that room by far. Like, he's – he's you're not going to get – Kenneth Gainwell isn't going to affect his touches. Miles mm-hmm. Sanders, 259 touches. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, 53. Um, but if you look at Isaiah Pacheco, so the reason why I brought that up is Miles Sanders, 12, 1,269 yards. I'm um, on 259 right. carries, 830 for Isaiah Pacheco on 170. And if you look at Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 71 attempts. If you look at Jarek McKinnon, 72 attempts. Um, believe um, Melvin Gordon got some carries with them. Uh, but they have a running back committee, and he uh-huh. still put up stats that are very respectable. Yeah, that's true. They average the same. They average the same yards per carry. So for me, all it was is the the amount of touches they get. The amount of touches they get. I think Isaiah Pacheco might put up more than twelve sixty nine on the season. So so for me, that's why I put Isaiah Pacheco there. The explosiveness, um, what he provides to that offense. I think for me, it would go um, him at three and then four. Um, 
let's go receivers now. We're at we're in the NFC we're in the NFC Championship Showdown. Um, make sure everyone, if you are listening, following, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Uh, make make sure you guys go to Rohan's channel, which is linked in the description. Make sure you follow Rohan on at Twitter at Rohan Chakravov, right? Chakrav. Yeah, right. Chakrav. There we Chakrav. go. Um, make sure you guys do that before we continue. Um, so receiver room, okay? Who has we, we could do like you said, um, position players and go actual players, or we could do receiver rooms for receivers because you're probably going to have two 49ers in the top four, probably, and then probably two Eagles in the top four. No, I was going to say no. There's actually Bengals have some dogs, so we could we could go we could go players. We'll do top five. Or oh, like top five overall, or what do you mean? Yeah, we let's do top five receivers overall in, in the in the championship round. Okay, so one. Oh wow, there are a lot of teams. So of the or four teams, number one has to be Jamar Chase, I think, for me. Uh, I who so. Who do we got? So Chase would be there. You take Chase over AJ Brown? I would. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I'd take Chase over AJ Brown. Um, I, I'd put Chase one and AJ Brown at two. I think that they're close. I would probably take Chase though. I, I do think that um he helps a lot. And the 50-50 balls at his size, AJ Brown's a little bigger. 50-50 balls at his size. I think that that's uh a big thing for Jamar Chase and the way that he wins in general. So them one two. Uh, obviously Travis Kelsey won't be included because of uh, no tight ends. So then we've got to circle back to these teams. And I think it's between, so T Higgins, Brandon Ayuk and Devonte Smith. I'm going to go Brandon, Hig- uh, Brandon Ayuk. I've, I've got, I think I got to go at Brandon three? Ayuk at three. I think I got to go Brandon Ayuk at three. In my opinion, he's better than Debo Samuel as a receiver. Hey, I, agree. I put, I, I do put Brandon Ayuk at three T Higgins right there at four Devonte Smith at five, but the margin between three and five is right there. I think all three of those guys are really, really good and could be wide receiver ones. And I think right after that would be Debo Samuel at six. I think I have to agree with you exactly on the lineup. And so Rohan isn't comparing stats at all. Like, because I know some people no. like, well, AJ Brown had 1,400 yards. Well, Jamar Chase had a, I could see someone saying that. What we're comparing is if Jamar Chase doesn't get hurt, he has over 1,400 yards by far. Right. Um, mm-hmm. what we're comparing is who's the best receiver still in the in the championship round. I would definitely go Jamar Chase just because he's more explosive and he he's able to do he's more of a gadget guy. You could do anything with him. He could be a true receiver on any down. He could take a handoff for 80 yards just like Debo can. But he's not he's a much better route runner than Debo, so that's what gives him the edge. Then I'd go right. two AJ Brown, three. I man, I love T. Higgins coming out. I wanted the 49ers to um, trade T. Higgins back is special. I want, yeah, I wanted them. And to I like Clemson back. too. He was on that. Uh, he was he was uh, on those teams with T. Law. I was I was a firm believer. You you trade back from either thirteen and get a corner, or take to thirteen and get a corner. Um, trade back at twenty five and get T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, and you pick up another early pick. Um, but I'm probably gonna go honestly. Man, I, I gotta go. Is T. it Higgins, Devontae? Man. I gotta okay. go T. Higgins. I gotta go T. Higgins. Um. A good route runner. 50-50 balls are literally 80-20 balls with him. Um, very good route runner. I think he's a very good route runner. And then B.A., uh, elite route runner, um, could take you over the top, has everything he, he needs as a, a number one receiver. And then Devontae Smith because of the route running ability. If we're talking complete player, um, then probably Debo at five. But 
we're talking just pure receiver, I would probably go to Vontae Smith. And that's not trying to be um, – because I know someone's going to be like, oh, you're not you're really going to put uh, D. Smith over Debo and you're a 49ers fan. We're talking receiver, pure receiver skills. We're not talking the athlete. The athlete Correct. probably putting Jamar Chase and Debo one and two if we're talking about them, product, <laughs> productivity, um, receiver, and um, running back. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. Any other positions that are actually comparable to actually compare? I think a lot of the other ones are kind of far off where, like, you can't really compare them. I don't know. Um, edge rusher maybe, but I still I think, think Bosa that by it's, far. it's still Bosa and then probably Hassan Redick at two if we're talking about edge rusher. So I'm not – yeah, well, you I, probably I don't know. Throw Frank Clark in there in a way. Uh, like... Frank Clark? Frank Clark, Trey Hendrickson would be uh, up there. Who else? Maybe um, another uh, one of the other Philly guys as well uh, could be up there. Yeah. Best defensive tackle by far, Chris Jones. And then mm-hmm. you could probably throw in DJ Reader in there. I think DJ Reader is Reader. So um, yeah. Oh, Reader is Arik- very underrated. Yeah. And then Arik Armstead would be in. So, like, it's kind of like the rest of the positions kind of get very, like, they just get, they're kind of there's, a, there's a guy and, at the top. Yeah. yeah, there's for sure, like, versus the other, like, the receiver position. You could kind of debate A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase in a way. Um, I know we're talking 49er Eagles on Thursday, you and I. So let's go a little bit deeper into the Bengals and Chiefs. What do the Bengals need to do in order to beat the Chiefs at uh, Arrowhead? What the Bengals need to do to beat the Chiefs is play the way that they've been playing. Lou Anarumo has been doing a great job in covering uh, in coverage, what he does a lot is he's able to rush three, drop eight back into coverage, and the Bengals can get pressure with those three. When dropping eight into coverage, it makes it tough, especially uh, especially because right now Patrick Mahomes is not going to be able to extend the w- plays that he w- the way he does. So going out of the pocket is going to be tough, and you're going to hold the ball longer when they run uh, when they drop eight back into coverage because it's going to be tougher to to fit uh, balls in between the seams in between wherever you want to get the balls. So to me, the Bengals got to keep playing the way that they do. Got to get a pass rush going because Mahomes will not be have, like I said, have the ability to extend the plays. And so if you get the pass rush going, collapse the pocket on Mahomes, it makes it tougher for him. Offensively, they've got to continue having a balanced approach. Uh, depends on the health of their offensive line. But the the I think the best part of the Chiefs is they're probably their front seven. I think that they're they're Frank Clark and Chris Jones, that uh, that one-two combo on the defensive line, and then their linebackers, Nick Bolton, had a very good year. Those are probably their three best defenders. I'd say go after their corners. I know they've got uh, Legereus Sneed, but I'd, I'd say, I mean, you you have the matchup with the three receivers that you have and Hayden Hurst. You've got a strong matchup with their secondary. They've got guys to match with Justin Reed and all, but I think you've got to be able to uh, have a balanced approach, but first utilize the path pass because you want to take away from Kansas City strengths. I think I would agree with you, but if you're dropping eight and you're only pressuring three and you're giving Patrick Mahomes time on that ankle, I think Patrick Mahomes might pick you apart still, like with the arm strength and the ability to do so. Like, So for me, I think it has to be pressure the shit out of Mahomes. Make him move. Make that test that ankle the first that first couple of drives. Test that ankle. How does that ankle feel when you get hit? How does it feel when we get a little muddy in there on, on, on your ankle and you have to 
hop around and you're trying to play like that. To me, that's the key, right? Is if if Patrick Mahomes is in the pocket and he's being who he is with his arm strength, I think you're able to uh, change the game plan of the Bengals because yeah, you want to you want to get pressure, but if he's able to be himself, you got to yeah. change things around. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to whether or not Joe Burrow can light up the Kansas City Chiefs of defense. And the thing is, with with I, I'm the most excited about is Joe Burrow versus uh, Spagnola. I think those two are going to go head to head, like dialing up blitzes, dialing up different coverages. Who could win that battle? And I think that's for me. That's going to be the most exciting. I'm very intrigued on that plays out because a, someone who enjoys watching quarterbacks go to the line of scrimmage and have to call and check things out and in the defense actually going and checking things out again, that's going to be by far the best thing I see between that game. Um, That'll be fun. What does Kansas City got to do to stop Joe Burrow? Because he's good against the pressure. Right. He's good against pressure. What you have to do is figure out a way to disguise coverages. And, I mean, that's what Spagnolo does because Joe Burrow, he's very good at identifying those things. But to me, I think Kansas City, number one, has to stop the run. Because if they can stop the run and make uh, Cincinnati one-dimensional, they have a better chance. And Joe Mixon hasn't necessarily had the greatest year, but had a solid game in the divisional round. Uh, Buffalo really, that run defense that was really spearheaded by advanced uh, analytics, well, some of them were flawed because Buffalo did not was not able to stop the run, and Cincinnati had its way on both sides of the offense. If they can make the Cincinnati offense one-dimensional, that creates a little more uh, of an answer to the problems that they face. And then more so, offensively, you've got to be prepared for a shootout. And so that means you've got to figure out ways to scheme Travis Kelsey open, uh, especially with the way that Cincinnati plans to, uh, will, will likely plan to defend. It's going to be Jesse Bates likely on uh, Travis Kelsey for a portion of this game. And so Cincinnati's going to have to win that matchup with Travis Kelsey. And also, you've got a bunch of other receivers. The way that uh, since uh, Kansas City is creative, be it hand uh like I remember last game they had a pitch to, to, to Kadarius Tony out of the backfield. The way that they can be creative with their set of playmakers, you've got to continue to utilize that creativity. Attack the Cincinnati front by pushing to the edge. Make those edge rushers move in space uh, because otherwise it's going to be tough if they can co collapse and converge on you in the pocket. But Kansas City, they're creative. They got to use that creativity both on the offense and the defense to their benefit. Do you think the run game is going to be important for this one? Because I know Kansas City has good run stuffers. They have a good run defense. Do you think taking Joe Mixon out of this game will be huge? Or do you expect it to be a full-on passing game for both teams? I actually think it's going to be important on both sides. Because I think while the, the what do you call it, while the Chiefs and the Bengals both have very prolific passing offenses, they also have strong running games, which allow them to uh, really fully utilize that passing offense. Obviously, we talked about Isaiah Pacheco. We talked about Joe Mixon. Both both players are integral to their team's success. And sometimes we've seen, especially when you have to face second and third and long. Well, guess what? With Cincinnati's offensive line, that might not always, uh, especially if they're down starters, might not always be blocking to the, its fullest capacity, not allowing the play to fully develop. Kansas City's pass rush gets there. Same with a, 
against Patrick Mahomes, especially with his ability to not really move out of the pocket. And so I do think the run game is important because it sets up those second and third, uh, second, second and third downs that are shorter in distance, which allows a lot more of your arsenal to be displayed. And also, if one team can establish their run game against a fairly solid run defense on the opposite side, then it provides more for that offense in general. I think that's the perfect way to put it because when I'm looking at this game, I think Patrick Mahomes needs to rely on the run game in a way. Like if that ankle is really hurt, you got to rely on the run game in order to make the play action work a little bit better in order to, to make it a little bit easier on Patrick Mahomes. So he doesn't have to feel like he has to carry the load and do stuff that he might not physically be able to do, but he's so used to doing it that he tries to do it. Um, end of the day, I, man, this game is a, is a, going to be a fun one i think the 49ers will be a fun one too i think there's two different games right i think 49ers is a, a defensive punch you in the mouth run the ball kind of game versus this game is hey i got patrick mahomes and joe burrow let's throw the ball all damn game like that to me i'm expecting 28 30 points from both teams in this game 49ers, I'm expecting low-scoring defensive battle just like it was against Dallas. Like, to me, that's what I'm expecting. Are you expecting a high-scoring game with uh, um, against these two? I think that I do expect a higher-scoring game because, I mean, when you look at it, Cincinnati put 27 up in their last game. I think Kansas City put 27 up in their last game. I think that that's the benchmark, probably around 27 points for both teams. Maybe one team or maybe even both teams creep into the 30s. But, I mean, we've seen these match this matchup before. We saw how it went before, and we've seen the higher scoring matchups. And again, this is the playoffs. We've seen how both teams respond to the playoffs, and it's normally with a hell of a lot of points. So I'm expecting it. We'll see how it goes, especially with both passers being really at the highest points in their career. So to me, I, I do expect a somewhat of a shootout, but also more of a high scoring game. So... Your prediction for this game, you might not be ready for it. You can give it to me on Thursday. What is your prediction for this game? Who wins this game and, and why? So I'll preface it with this. My hope for the Super Bowl, meaning the most fun Super Bowl matchup that I think can happen, would be the Chiefs versus the 49ers. The rematch, because of the way that both teams are constructed now and also because of the storylines that come with it, I think that's the most fun. But I think right now, in my opinion, the more likely matchup is the exact opposite. I have Kansas City at the moment winning this game. Mahomes' injury obviously plays a factor. I do think Kansas City wins again, and Joe Burrow defeats Patrick Mahomes for, what is this now, the third time in his career uh, and second time in a row in the playoffs. I think that that's vital, and I, I do think Kansas City moves on right now. Obviously, it might change with the way that I watch uh, some game film later in this week because I do want to watch some, especially with it just being four teams. I do want to watch some of the the other two teams, see how they play, uh, especially with the way Luna and Arumo kind of calls games. So I do want to watch them, but right now, I think it's Kansas City. So, no, oh, sorry, do Cincinnati. You think, yeah, I was going to say, do you think Kansas City is going to upset? To me, I have. Cincinnati favored this game because Agreed. of the ankle injury of Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I think if, if they're both fully healthy, I think Mahomes probably beats them in the playoffs. I think Mahomes kind of wants that matchup. I don't know who's going to win this game. I really don't. Yeah. I wish I knew because this is the game where I don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes because it's Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of like doing the I'm going to bet against Tom Brady kind of thing and hope he loses. 
that a lot of fans used to do. I don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but Joe Burrow on the other side, I think they know how to play the Kansas City Chiefs very well. I think they know what they want to do, how they want to attack them, both offensively and defensively. I think you're right. I think Cincinnati ends up winning this game um, due to the fact that the ankle injury is going to bother um, Patrick Mahomes just enough, and that's going to be a, a very big deciding factor that dictates that game. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if Patrick Mahomes somehow was fully healed and is making Patrick Mahomes like plays on if a he does that, that is phenomenal because pain is a different thing. Yeah. But but the thing they're super athletes, so like I'm sure it won't be as bad um as it was uh, on last Sunday, but it's still it's one of those ones where it'd be crazy. Hopefully it's a good game. We'll talk 49ers, Eagles on the next episode, but we did get a little bit of talk of both uh championship games in there. We ranked a lot of teams. Um, make sure again, make sure you guys subscribe to Rohan's uh, personal channel. It is linked in the description. Make sure you guys follow Rohan at, on Twitter at Rohan Truck Um, probably said that wrong again because I don't know how to say it still. Um, but that is also linked in the in the description. The, his at name is there. Uh, make sure you guys go in and like and subscribe. Um, Rohan, thank you again, man, for being a great host, man. It's lovely talking football with you. Always, always fun. And we'll make sure we see you guys on Thursday. Peace out.